an ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Hey, y'all, I'm Bevan. And I'm Brittany. Welcome to Be My Neighbor. Our neighborly duties are to provide real-life solutions and practices that elevate and inspire, but also remind us to not take it all too seriously. We're real-life neighbors that quickly learn that you simply cannot do it on your own, living in a competitive and fast-paced environment like New York City. Each week, we invite you into the apartment along with our metaphorical and literal neighbors to share advice on how we get through this thing called life. We don't just share the sugar. We serve up the real tea. From navigating relationships to building a career, we want you to recognize and embrace the best version of you. We want you to know that you're crazy is okay. And that you're definitely not alone. Our door is always open. And we want you to know, we've We've got got your back. back. We don't think it could have come at a better time to have Samantha Edison. Since earning her undergraduate and MBA degrees from Harvard, where she was also a rock star tennis player, Samantha has become the best-selling author of five books, a renowned speaker, and the host of a nationally syndicated call-in radio show. In 2018, Sam founded Park Place Payments as a way to create flexible career opportunities and disrupt the 8 billion payments and credit card processing industry, supporting both women and communities all at once. She is also a mom of three and the co-founder of the Los Angeles Women's Collective, aimed at supporting women to run for office nationally and win, and serves on the advisory board of the Forbes School of Business and Technology. Whoa, (laughs) Samantha, we don't know how you made time for us right now, but we could not thank you more for being with us. You're the highlight of my day. So please, (laughs) I'm excited to talk to you both. We we looked at your resume and we were like, oh my gosh, how is she able to really do all of this and still, and I know you said right before we jumped on, you're like, I'm just organizing my kid going to tennis camp and just making sure that that's done. And, and of course, let me just take this at the same time. We're like, this is just incredible, all that you do. <laughs> well, yes, I think all of us right now are just multitasking and trying to make it so that every day does not seem like Groundhog Day. <laughs> and I feel like in my life, at least every day feels like a week. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I wake up and I'm always like, what day of the week is it? Oh my gosh, it's only Tuesday. How is that possible? And then all of a sudden we're like, it's August. How is that possible? (laughs) Right, exactly. And I still don't understand that part. So your current business that's gaining a lot of attention right now is Park Place Payments. In the simplest, most layman terms for someone like me, can you please explain to us what Park Place Payments is? Sure. So we basically, I think of us as saving women from multi-level marketing companies. (laughs) So I had a lot of friends who I really respected who were formerly professional and looking for something to do and ended up selling makeup and skincare and clothing and wine to their friends. And when I dug into it, they weren't even making martini money. And I thought, what's going on here? And I'd had this front row seat to this industry not many people understand, which is the credit card processing industry. And basically any business from a hair salon to a dermatologist's office to a toy store that accepts credit cards has this middleman between American Express, MasterCard, Visa, and the business. And today the middleman is 30,000 men who sell credit card processing to them. And I thought, okay, this isn't that hard a product to understand. What if I could train the women who would be selling to their friends and kind of often ruining their friendships in the process? What if I could train them to sell credit card processing to their local businesses and earn recurring revenue and not even touch their friendships because they're selling to their doctor and their dentist and their favorite stores in their neighborhood? 
And that is how Park Place Payments was born. It's really amazing. Incredible. I just love so much how you found a way to create a business that is giving back and giving people opportunities. And it's just as good as it gets in my book. (laughs) And I love the recurring revenue term because my family, it's a family of entrepreneurs. So that recurring revenue term is huge for us because we're in the air business. And every two years, the tubes in the air that go into the actual indoor filtration systems have to be replaced. So that's Mm. money. So for those that don't understand that, what does that term mean? So basically, if you are earning $1,000 with Park Place this month, you're guaranteed to get $1,000 next month too, unless a business leaves us. And we really are so great with customer service in-house that we never lose clients unless they go out of business. So what's happened is, and I'll give you an example. We have an account executive who's a former teacher who joined us and she's been doing really well with us. And she probably has about 25 businesses in her neighborhood now. And she walks down the street and she always talks about like, she walks down the street with her kids and she's like, that's mommy's client and that's mommy's client. And like, she's super excited and she's kind of like the payments mayor of her town. Anyway, she had a family tragedy last summer and was unable to work for three months and she still got her park place check every month. And I think that's the beauty of it is that it can be like life insurance for these women. Um, In fact, not to be morbid, but in their contract, it says that if God forbid they fall terminally ill or they pass away, their family will collect the residual for the life of the account. Um, And that's really, really important to us. So cool. I love that. And I know you mentioned too that you had access to this, but how exactly did you fall upon this? You know, you were sitting, I believe, at a conference, but could you explain that a little bit more to us? Yeah. So I speak at a ton of different conferences and companies. And 10 years ago, I was at a conference that was like a boondoggle conference for the top sales organizations in credit card processing. And it was like 20 men, one less impressive than the next. And they'd all shown up on private planes. Boondoggle. And I was like, where are the women? And they said, oh, there are no women. And they laughed. And I thought, okay, one day I'm going to come back and crush you guys. But I thought, okay, I'll do that when I'm like 70. I don't need to do it today. I can do it when I'm 60, 70. And then when I was on book tour for my last book, which is The Pie Life, and I was talking to women across the country, the one group of women I couldn't help were those who had left the workforce and wanted to return or those who felt stuck in like an hourly job and they had a cap on what they could earn. I also was the keynote speaker at a top sales conference for, I won't say the name of it, but uh, for one of the makeup companies. I recognized how much the people there were getting out of being part of the company, even though they weren't making money. So there was something that gave them confidence and made them feel like they were part of something outside of their home. And everyone wants that. And I thought, what if you could do that and offer that sense of community and support, but also help people change their lives financially? I've always been super passionate about women's financial independence. Um, I grew up with a mom who was a total feminist and she would point people out in our life who were in bad marriages and couldn't leave them because they had no money of their own. She kind of, in a a little bit of a crass way, taught me that you would never want to end up in that situation where you are stuck in a marriage because you can't leave because you have no money. So she kind of hammered into me the fact that I would always be financially independent. But as I got older and saw so many of my friends get into situations where they were financially vulnerable and just 
over the course of years, when I hosted a call in radio show, whatever, there was always that theme of, I have no money, I can't leave, or he supports me, or, you know, it's too scary to have kids on my own, because I don't know what I could do to make money. And it just makes me so sad. And I think that we think so much about what we're feeding our kids in terms of their diet and organic food, but we don't think about the home movie they're watching. So often that home movie is, oh gosh, don't tell dad I bought these shoes. And it's like, what are you teaching your child, right? You're just so much of the language we use, even just, you know, raising boys to go for it and girls to act ladylike or like a princess. There's just so much we do from a very young age to make it so that girls think that like marriage is a goal rather than something that will enhance your life while you're achieving your goals. Wow. We are those people though. We've always, you know, my mom and I are extremely, extremely close, but I think generational gaps definitely are different. And we constantly come to that battle of, I do make my own money and I'm very proud of making my own money. And God forbid, I don't know if my husband decides to have a midlife crisis, I want to make sure I have something stored away. We've kind of, it's like the thing that we don't even talk about anymore because we just want to, it's like we talk about it, but I respect where she is. And I think she really respects where I am. And she also is like, you're nuts, you know, but it's okay. And she can think I'm nuts. She raised me. She did, I think, a good job. But, well, you know, uh, but uh, you know what I mean? Just but getting I, babs. No, the generational gap is, is really something to be said about that. And yeah. I mean, we just have always been of that mindset that we are just, you know, sharing that independence and wanting to have our money. And I, I just love how you talk about when you said the story that we're watching at home, right? The story that we're telling at home. That to me is always really interesting because we can say as much as we want. Be independent, girls. Go get them. Like we can tell them that. But what kids are taking in is what they're witnessing and what they're surrounded with. So providing that sort of platform for women to really build a life and a family and make the choices, whatever choices they want to make in life is so inspiring to me. And I think the catalyst for big change in the future, which is great. (laughs) Absolutely. I think it's so funny because I think that for so long I was, I've been in a situation where I'm like motivating women to go for it and follow your ambition and make the best of your life. But I think the kind of elephant in the room is that if you're not earning money, it's really hard to do that. And I think that, you know, I've spent the last two years now focused on that. And people will often say to me, but you were on the Today Show all the time. And now you're talking about credit cards, like how unsexy. And I always say, no, 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 this is the sexiest thing I've ever done. I'm talking about women's financial independence. Like nothing is dreamier to me. Nothing. Focusing on that. Also, the Today Show is very sexy, but it's also sexier to have money in your pocket. (laughs) So last time I checked, I don't know how much money was being paid for having an incredible appearance. And of course, that notoriety. (laughs) But I know from experience... (laughs) There's not any money coming in from that. So you got to think of other ways. Um, Knowing that you started in 2018, we want to know how you have continued to evolve and where you see it going and also how our neighbors too can get involved. You know, after hearing this, they get inspired. Because if I get one more DM on Facebook from somebody wanting me to sell makeup from high school that was mean to me when I was 15, (laughs) I'm going to lose my shit. (laughs) 
now you can write back and say, you know what? You might consider joining Park Place payments instead. That is that is paying (laughs) forward with love. Like I'm actually going to help you, right? Even though you were so mean, and you're questioning whether or not I have a job. My first ever rep, we call them account executives, but she had sent me a letter and emailed me about buying makeup and skincare products. And I wrote back, you know what? You're so good at sales. Why don't you sell credit card processing? <laughs> and um, and she joined Park Place. She's our first account executive. So, so yeah, so people just go to our website, parkplacepayments.com. And one of the important things to us is that you shouldn't have to pay money to earn money. So it's free to join Park Place. We train you for free. Everything is free. And we have you take a course. It's like a two or three hour course called Park Place Academy. And it's online. You take it whenever it's convenient for you. And then once you do that, you get your Park Place email address. Um, You're an official account executive. You have your launch call and it's off to the races. And you're invited to our weekly calls for account executives where we do ongoing education. And over time, you just keep building your portfolio of businesses. When you first had this idea from the time of its conception, how long did it take you to get it up and running? You know, I I really would say that I had this idea for a long time. So as I mentioned, like 10 years ago, I kind of loosely had this idea. Then when I was on this book tour four years ago, I was like, I really should do this. I had a couple of meetings that next year, but I just wasn't ready to pull the trigger. And then I finally did in January of 2018. And that's when I kind of put the infrastructure in place to start the company just grew kind of slowly that first year. And then I raised my first round of capital. I raised an angel round last June of a million dollars. That was a really interesting experience. I think I had no experience raising money before. In the beginning, I was a little bit naive and I said, I'm just raising it from women. And then you quickly realize that women don't control money in our country. And women's magazines are all about saving money and not having that latte and making sure that you clean your house as opposed to hiring the $40 housekeeper or whatever it is. Like everything is yes. about saving and saving. And men's magazines and men's media is all about investing and how to invest. And you can't make a lot of money unless you invest. It's just the way it is. And so I quickly realized that it would take me many years to raise the money if I was just focused on women, probably. So I switched my quota to half women and people of color. And I was able to achieve that. I probably could have raised the money even faster if I didn't have that as part of my parameters. But I did and we achieved it. And I'm really proud of the people who we put together as our investor group. Um, And now I'm raising our seed round, which is also another, I'm I'm saying to everyone that it has to be half women and people of color. Um, And so we're on our way to doing that. And obviously it's an unusual time to raise money during COVID. So I probably would have been on a plane all the time and now I'm raising it all over Zoom. (laughs) So so it's just, it's been a, a whirlwind, but knock on wood so far, so good. Good. We're knocking for you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So with that said, we know everyone, including us, is in the process of rewriting our own lives, as you put it yourself, especially in this moment of crisis, which I talk about this all the time. My favorite author, Glennon Doyle, talks about crisis. The word actually means to sift. So what you don't need is falling by the wayside and we're left with gold. And although it feels vibrational and crazy, we're in the midst of that. And that's exactly, I think, what I'm personally experiencing. Like, I look back to four months ago and I was really happy. I have several jobs at SoulCycle, felt great about it, was getting to see amazing people all day long, getting to use my voice, getting to move my body and, and meet a lot of people. But I don't feel like there was any balance at all. And I would have kept plowing ahead had this situation not forced me to stop and take a look. Now I'm getting as still and quiet as I can 
and trying to figure out, and that's a luxury, 100% a luxury I'm, I'm very grateful for. But Britt and I both are starting to question like where we live, what we do, how we spend our time, how we balance family and work guilt-free, which is the biggest part for me. And we know we're not the only ones in this situation. Yeah. I mean, we always laugh that we always have a ton of jobs, right? But we also both do not have kids right now. And yes, I, I sometimes walk around my house and now living with my family, my mom will always be like, I don't know how you're going to do this because this is crazy. And the hours that you put in are crazy. And I'm like, I really do hope to be a mom someday. And I have that internal struggle, even knowing that all of these incredible women like yourself, they do it all the time, every day, and single women do it too. I have help, you know, but I do struggle with how I'm going to continue on my career path of what I'm doing and, and achieve my goals and hope to be the mother that I do want to be. So we know in your book, The Pie Life, A Guilt-Free Recipe for Success and Satisfaction, you really state that seven pieces of the pie that bake a recipe for fulfillment, if you will. And on our podcast, we're really committed to giving people the tools to learn and grow and evolve themselves. And as Bevan mentioned before, as a lot of us have been stripped down of what we thought would make us the most happiest and lead us to those feelings of success, you know, we really thought that this might be the perfect opportunity for all of us to take a really long look at our lives, like all of you listening out there, all of our neighbors, and look at how we are living and what we're doing. Yeah, You're the that's a, it's a lot. Of, I know that is a lot. So tell me I where so to start. Yes. I have so many thoughts on what you just said. First yeah. of all, you know, I do feel that what Bevan said originally about, you know, she was running at such a pace, et cetera. And now you all are like questioning where you're living, whatever it is. Like, I do think that now everyone's questioning where we're living because it used to be that we had to live near our jobs and now no one goes to an office anymore. No one has to be, most people don't have, who are listening right now don't have to be in a specific location geographically. And that's almost confusing, right? It's like there, there's all that research that says when humans have too much choice, it's depressing. Like we, you don't want to feel like there's literally zero structure to where you need to live or you don't need Need to live in a certain spot or why am I in the city when, you know, the city's kind of dead right now and you can't even go out to eat. Like it's confusing. And I think everyone is feeling that way. I do think that, um, I mean, it's so strange what's happened to all of our lives, whatever your life is like, there's a pause button that was hit and it was hit so fast and it's so strange and confusing. And we wake up every day, like, hold on, is this real? Like, I can't believe it. And we still are saying that five months later, like it's just, and I don't think it'll ever feel normal to to us. I mean, I haven't been to a restaurant since March and I used to go out to eat all the time. Like that was one of my happy places. Like yeah. I don't understand yes. how to, how to be in this way. And I, you know, I hate talking to people through masks, even though it's necessary. It's just such a strange thing. It's almost like, forget it. I'd rather not go on that walk with you. Yeah. Yes. Let's just zoom. Yeah. <laughs> That's zoom. exhausting. Yeah. And then, and then Zoom, like there's Zoom fatigue. And then yes. I, I, you know, and I also worry about my kids because I feel so badly for them that they're being robbed of like a solid year, at least of their childhoods and how strange that is. And, and it would be even worse if I had college kids, because, you know, that's even oh. harder when you think of a college kid missing out on a year of college, it breaks my heart. And so there's so much loss and so much change right now that everyone's adjusting to. And then of course we haven't hit, even hit upon so many health issues people are experiencing or, or the loss of loved ones and not being able to grieve normally or, mm -hmm. you know, financial vulnerability, which so many people are now facing. Um, so it's a very strange time. 
That said, I think that the principles of how to manage your life are still very similar to what they were before. And when I interviewed women, I interviewed women for the pie life and I interviewed a hundred women who are at the top of their fields, top women on wall street, top, you know, woman who is running a university, um, top fashion designer and top news anchor, et cetera. They had a couple of things in common. One is that they spent literally no time feeling guilty. I mean, guilt was not a part of their pie. It was an extraneous ingredient. They had no time for it. No energy was spent on it. And I think that's essential because when you think, if you're someone who suffers from guilt, which most women do, you have to think about, and Bevan's raising her hand. So overwhelming. It's <laughs> always. So yep. if you are thinking, if you're someone who feels guilt, you have to think about the last decision you made based on guilt. Was that a good decision? Absolutely right? not. And <laughs> Right. And if, if you, if I said to you, okay, Brittany is going to meet her friend, you know, post COVID, Brittany is going to meet her friend for dinner. She really needed to cancel because she was feeling like just not in the mood and she had so many other things to do, but she's still just going to go out of guilt. Like would your friend, if your friend ever knew you were there just out of guilt, would that person feel good about it? No. And so no one wants to be the recipient of your guilt either. No one wins when you are doing things based on guilt. So, so you know, guilt is really a predator and you can't let it be yours. So you have to just kind of release that in any way possible. Now, there are times to feel guilty, right? I remember there was a time when I was on my book tour and I, uh, my daughter had 102 fever and I had to leave her and I finally got her settled and I got in the airplane. I thought, okay, I'm just going to focus on making this trip successful. And I left that behind and she's in good hands and my husband has it and she's going to be okay. I get on the plane and my phone rings and I didn't even know phones could ring on airplanes. And I was in coach middle. I'll never forget everyone staring at me because my phone was ringing and I looked down and it's my child's school. So I picked up, it was a teacher saying, Ella has no lunch today. It's the first of the month. And every first of the month you were supposed to order, there was like a meal plan. She's like, Ella has no lunch today. And I knew that if Ella had no lunch and her kindergarten brother also had no lunch. So here I was in the air with two starving children and one sick child. And I was going to give a talk on work-life balance, like talk about imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> so the teacher is like, don't worry, we can feed them Cheez-Its today. <gasps> so I always say like, and my kids don't even remember this happened, by the way. I've of course them, they don't. But like, You'll never I forget. suffering traumatically from that. But, you know, I always say now, is it a cheese it moment? Okay. I deserve to feel guilty that day, but (laughs) if it's not a cheese it moment, do not feel guilty. So, you know, there's very few times that warrant the guilt. And then similarly, if there's moms listening, you know, you can be the kind of mom that you walk out the door and you have a child clinging to you and you're going, no, I wish I didn't have to go to work. I'm so sorry. And your child's crying. Or you can be the mom who looks at their child and says, guess what I get to do today? I get to be on this really cool podcast and I get to meet these awesome women, Bevan and Brittany, and I'm so excited. And I can't wait to tell you all about it. And I can't wait to hear about your day. And let's talk at dinner about our days. And that child is never going to feel bad or have anxiety about you leaving. So a lot of it is in our control. Now, in terms of how to manage your life, there was a second thing that all of these women had in common. And that was that they were involved in six or seven slices of their life. So they weren't the people that kept saying no. A lot of the things I read that are targeted towards women are get comfortable saying no. No is a sentence, you know, just say no. I actually believe you should say yes, because everything I've said yes to in life 
has led to more opportunities. It's led to new friendships. It's, you know, we were talking earlier today about your friend, Kate Vogel, who is on One Tree Hill with you. And I met her because we decided to have this dinner. And was it throwing more stuff on our backs when we already had a a full plate? Absolutely. But it was so worth it because we met all these people. And the fact that Kate said yes to this dinner where she didn't know anyone. I mean, a lot of times when you say no, you're shutting yourself off from really interesting opportunities, whether it's social or professional saying yes to something you wouldn't normally say yes to really enriches your life. So I'm a big believer. That doesn't mean you have to volunteer for the third thing someone's asking you to do if you're already volunteering, but it does mean that you have to give yourself permission to play in all six or seven slices. Mm -hmm. And those slices are your career, your health, your relationship or your quest to find one, your community, your friends, your hobbies, and your family. And that could be kids or your dog or whatever, or your husband, whatever that is for you, your parents. But you really want to be involved in all those slices. And the way to manage your life is to make a goal for each of those slices and see how you're doing at achieving that goal. Now, the goals have to be very specific and not like, okay, I'm not in a relationship, so I just want to meet someone next year. Well, that person's not going to fall on your windshield, especially not during COVID when you're barely (laughs) driving. Like You're going to have to go online and put up a profile and commit to having one Zoom date every week or whatever it is. Like You're going to have to work hard at achieving that goal. If your goal is that you want to be healthier, it's not that I'm going to work out seven days a week when I have never worked out before. It's I'm going to go on a walk three days a week for 45 minutes. Like Those are specific things you can do to change your life. Or I don't have enough friends. I'm going to start a virtual book club with some women I met recently. It's doing specific things to change your life. Now, I'm a big fan of like saying yes to margarita with the friends. Like, you know, a lot of working moms, especially will say, oh, I definitely can't go out because I barely see my kids during the day and it's not fair to them. But I believe that every single person needs an adult night out every week, just like a car needs gas. That's really important. (laughs) It fuels you. It really does, though. Like, even if you do have a sense of like, you know, a little bit of exhaustion the next day, there's a fire, there's a fuel that's lit and reach something's recharged in you. And you're reminded of who you are and what makes you special and what lights you up and all these things. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And so I think so much of it is just how we manage our time and how we, you know, I'm a big fan of structure. So I think structure enables you to say yes to those rare opportunities because you have a schedule you can count on. And that doesn't mean you're going to do everything perfectly. Like, you know, letting go of the perfection is a big part of it. You're going to drop balls, but you're going to drop those balls even if you just focus on two of your slices. So I think a lot of times as women, we think, okay, if I just focus on my work and working out, I'll have this perfect body and this great career, and then I'll deal with the other stuff. Or if I just focus on being a mom and a wife, then I'll be the best mom and wife. And that's BS. Like you are not going to be great at those things because you're going to be bored and you're going to be miserable and you're going to put too much into those two slices. You're much better off. You are a better friend when you also have something fulfilling going on at work. You are a better, you're better at your relationship when you have friends. I mean, all of this is intertwined. So would you suggest that say someone who's looking, taking a hard look at their life right now, they sit down with these seven pieces of pie and look at them and set a goal for each one? 
Yes. And also, you know, we all do this at night. We'll like lie in bed for some people it's during the day. For some people it's at night, you'll lie in bed. And I call it the rotisserie of worries. Like <laughs> you're lying in bed and you're like, oh my gosh, I just got in the worst fight with my sister. And, you know, I'm worried about that. My ankle hasn't been feeling well for a while now. And I, I feel like my boss hates me. Like you just make yourself insane. Yeah. Right? yeah. I know and it all too well. It. And it gets worse and worse. So I always say, if you go through your slices, there's always going to be a couple slices that are going well. Like, yeah, my relationship's in the pits, but I have the best friends ever. So like, <laughs> you're going to have, you know, you're going to have something that's going well and that's going to make you feel good. So by going through every slice, it's impossible not to feel some excitement about something that's going well. There's always one or two slices that are going well. And so focus on those and then you can get the other ones back on their feet. I think that it's really, really important that you also look at like, if you're feeling bored or stuck, which is people's number one problem is that they feel stuck. I once was at Oprah's Live Your Best Life weekend and I was asked to give lifestyle makeovers. So it was like speed dating for advice. And people would have two minutes to ask me a question and I would have two minutes to answer their problem. Okay, we can do it too. If you guys have problems, we can answer them in two minutes. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Anyway, so it was was really fun. And um, in the beginning of the day, I did it one-on-one. So someone would come to me with their two-minute problem. I would have two minutes to solve it. Next, keep going. The second half of the day, I decided to put people in circles and it was like five strangers in a circle. And when people heard other people's problems, they felt so much better about their own. So that was actually so much more successful because we live in silos and we sometimes think we're the only ones suffering and we're the only ones that could possibly understand our unique set of problems. And then you look at Facebook or you look at your college roommate or you look at your neighbor and you think, oh my gosh, she has the best life. Her life is amazing. She has the perfect marriage and she has the perfect wardrobe, body, career. Everything's always great for her. And I can promise you that person is suffering or struggling with something. You just don't know about it. And social media is a highlight reel and it should be, right? It's not the place you're supposed to complain about the fight you got in with your husband. It is supposed to be a highlight reel. And so if you compare your life to other people's highlight reels, you're going to be very unhappy. You're much better off thinking about your own grass being greener than someone else's. Um, And I think that in many ways, like when I did that, um, those lifestyle makeovers, the number one problem people had. And I talked to people, whether they were like C-level executives or they were a nursing home worker or a DMV person, they were literally in all walks of life and they all had the same exact problems. We all have the same problems. And the number one problem was that people felt stuck stuck in a job they hated, or they were stuck in a relationship they didn't like, or they were stuck in their life and they felt like there was nothing going on to get them out of it. What people often do is they make really big decisions during those times. Like, I'm just going to quit my job, or I'm just going to break up with him or her. Or whatever. I'm going to cut bangs. Is that your no. big decision? No, but no. it's always a bad one. <laughs> my God. Right. Please. No. Um, so actually, see, I would consider that a small choice. And <laughs> I think it was probably a wise a wise one at the time. And they grow out. And that's something you can really recover from, especially the, the time to take those chances since you're not seeing anyone. Um, but, but I do think that people are making these giant changes when things are, are not feeling interesting or exciting. And sometimes it pays to make small changes first, like take a new route to work or take on a new project, ask for new responsibility, learn something new, 
have a new routine with your partner. Like there's a lot of things you can do to shake things up first before you take those drastic measures. Now, I also don't believe people should stay in bad relationships forever or stay in jobs they hate forever. But I do think that sometimes small changes yield really big results. And especially now, everything is going to feel unhappy. We all have no matter how optimistic a person you are, I'm a very optimistic person. I'm still not waking up like thrilled every day, right? Like right now is hard. There's a lot of things that we're missing and milestones that my kids are missing and and happy things that, that used to make me happy. We don't do anymore. Like it's just, it's a hard time for everyone. And you don't want to be making big life decisions right now because you're already unhappy. It's like, I often see couples who are miserable because their kids are under age three. I'm like, you're sleepless. You're miserable. So of course you're going to hate each other. Don't make a marriage decision right now. Like, (laughs) I think that, you know, a lot of times when circumstances are making it, so of course you're going to be a little bit unhappy. You don't want to make big decisions. You just want to figure out how you can make each day a little bit better. So like doing something fun for yourself every single day, figuring out what that is, or just, you know, for me, it's like, my morning latte and my evening glass of wine, my beverage bookends, I call them. Very Same. important to me right now. <laughs> Weren't so important to me before, but now it's like <laughs> there's not that much fun every day. So like these are exciting times. It's really good. Really good. You mentioned uh, also about comparing yourself to other people, which I know a lot of people do. And I always, Bevan and I always have this conversation because you know, we have a lot of different jobs and a lot of different balls that we do juggle. And maybe on the outside, it looks a certain way. It looks shiny. It looks fun. It looks like we really have our shit together. But then on the inside, right on the inside, we're like, oh my God, we have all the stuff that we're doing. What are your suggestions? And maybe you've done this in the past, because I'm sure there've been people or other authors and other writers too, that have done similar things. What do you suggest to people that compare themselves to others? Uh, You know, obviously stop, but yeah, you do get stuck in it sometimes. I mean, if after what I just shared, they're still feeling like they're going to compare themselves to the next person, then we'll go a little bit deeper. And I don't mean to sound super like dramatic, but if you have that person's body, you might also be suffering from melanoma. If you had that job, you might also be dealing with this lawsuit. If you had that relationship, you might be dealing with infidelity like they are. Like we just don't know what goes on in other people's lives. And after working with thousands of women, I can tell you there is literally not one person who isn't struggling with something. Now it doesn't mean they're struggling with that every single person struggling today with that thing, but we have all overcome something or, and we'll overcome more things. And, you know, life is, is a series of moments. It's often why I I really would highly recommend that nobody demonize a year like, Oh, 2020 stinks. Those same people that are saying 2020 stinks are the same people that 2019 was like, goodbye, 2019. Don't let the door hit you. Like the bottom line is you don't want to demonize a year. It's, you don't want to demonize a day, a week, a year. These are moments. And every single day, even your best day ever had some bad moments in there. Like every day is a series of good moments and bad moments. And you just want the good ones to outweigh the bad and overshadow the bad ones. But that's how life is. You know, you get a phone call with bad news and then you hang up and then you hear great news from your from your partner. And it's just that's how life is. And um, you can't isolate joy. Life doesn't ever isolate one emotion, either joy or suffering. Right. Right. So my other question for you was talking about creating structure. You know, I think more than ever right now, so many of us don't have the routine we were used to having. And I noticed there's a huge difference in the way I approach my day and the way I am a better friend and partner and all these things. If I have some sort of structure to my life, how do you personally structure and schedule 
all the things that you have going on? What's your trick, tip? So, I mean, first of all, I do think that, and we kind of didn't talk much about this, but one of the keys to having a successful life is choosing a great partner. There's two ways to have a successful life. You can A, be single, or you can choose a great partner. If you are partnered with someone who doesn't believe in your goals or see you as an equal, you're never going to reach your potential personally or professionally. So that's a really important thing is choosing the right person. And I think that balancing your life, if you are living with someone and you have a partner, that's going to be really important in terms of structure. So for example, it would never work with me to be partnered with someone who wanted to go to bed at three in the morning because I like to go to bed at 10 or 11. And I think it's really important to go to bed at the same time as your partner. It's also really important to have similar goals and have someone who's on board with that structure if you're living with someone. So, you know, I'm a big believer in structure. So I like to wake up around the same time every day, go to bed around the same time every day. My team at Park Place Payments has a 9.30 a.m. call that like we're all religious about. Nothing cancels that 9.30 a.m. call. It's always in the books. And it's a time for our team to see each other, to get our day started, to get the day grounded. Now, I've done calls before 9.30, but I know that after those calls, 9.30 is really when I think of as like, the main event of my day, because that's our, our group call. And so whatever that is for you, I think it's really important. Now it becomes harder when you're juggling a lot of different jobs and you're, or you're freelance and that a lot of the people who are account executives at park place payments are freelance and they have to self-motivate. But I always say like, put on your calendar, I'm going to be working today from 12 to three on XYZ as though it's there in ink, as though you have to report to an office, especially now when our days lack structure, because you don't have to be at the lunch. You just have to hop on a zoom call. Like to me, it's like, should I wear thong underwear, even though I'm just on zoom or (laughs) like those decisions seem so big. You know what I mean? Like, what am I, I, I'm so confused every day by what to wear. Like, you know, it's just, (laughs) I I just go out looking like a crazy person. I don't know. I'm like, who I am even, I? Like, I, yeah, I never I mean, went out like this before, but I don't even. Well, it's so funny because a lot of times I'll have like a Zoom top on and like sweatpants yeah, on the bottom. And totally. then I have to run my kid over to some activity. And I like get out of the car. I'm like, oh my God, I look like a complete freak. Like I'm like, I have makeup on. I'm all dressed up from here up. And the whole yep. bottom looks like a different person. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so that happens all the time. But, you know, for me, I think one of the hardest things about this time as a parent is like, I now have a 12 year old and a 14 year old and they don't have a lot of structure to their summer because they're usually at sleepaway camp, which is their happy place. And they're not there this summer because camp was canceled. So they want to go to bed at like one or two in the morning. And I'm like, no. And they're like, but why we have nothing to do tomorrow. And it's like, because mommy likes to go to bed at 10. Like I, you know, it's very hard for me, but I just had to realize like, I'm going to bed. My son goes to bed ahead of me. But other than that, like he's nine, he's going to be 10 next week. Other than that, like I go to bed before my kids do, and that has to be okay. So some things have changed. Like we all have dinner together every night and that we're very committed to. And that's like a big part of the balance of our day. But I'm just a big fan of the structure thing. Like I know I'm a morning person. So I like to start calls at 7.30 or 8, sometimes earlier. And then by like 3 or 4, my day is starting to end um, because that works better for me. Now, when I had to go to the office every day, that was a little bit different because I was commuting 45 minutes each way. Like So there are some benefits to not commuting. And I 
don't see a world where I'm going to go back to the office five days a week. Like it doesn't make sense anymore. I don't even know if we're going to keep having an office. So I think a lot of these things are just changing for so many of us and so little is in our control. I try to go for a walk every day with one of my daughters and that kind of keeps me sane because at least it keeps me moving and, you know, out of technology reach, but it's hard. And so I think it's up to us to create that structure and to find ways that we can create a routine, even if our life doesn't warrant one. Yes. I like that you say, yeah, I'm, I'm a big person of structure too, because I think running your own business, you have to have it. There's just no other way to do it. We've talked about this a bunch of times, I think, and, and making those hours. I'm also a huge list person. Like I have to write things out, even though if they don't get crossed off and it gives me a little, you know, agita, I guess, but just having those hours and saying, okay, Bevan, we're going to meet from 12 to two and we're just going to hammer X, Y, and Z out. And this is what's on our list. And if we don't feel like we're going to get to it or get there, we'll push it till tomorrow, but at least we know it's still there and we have it there. And we at least spent half of that time catching up on life and all of our problems (laughs) and then the rest of the time working, you know, but I agree with you. I think that's a really solid thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's easier. You you think that people with nine to five jobs in some ways have it easy because they don't have to make decisions all day long every day. Right. Right. It's like the schedule is set out for them and they don't really have a lot of choices. The more choices you have, the harder it is. And then of course there's some things out of your control. My, I really fought getting a puppy because I knew that like, I didn't have room for one more living thing in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And my kids misinterpreted that and thought I just didn't like dogs. I'm not like a huge dog person, but of course I knew I would come to love a dog. It's just that I literally knew I didn't have the bandwidth in my life to be worried about one more thing. And I was overridden during COVID and I just lost complete control over it. And I was like, my husband insisted we get a dog. The kids insisted. And finally I just gave up. And we rescued this dog that my daughter found online. It was in North Carolina, ironically. And I can't even, it's so insane how the dog came to be our dog, but basically there was no research involved. I said, okay, fine. I'll get a puppy. If it's like a designer dog, that's tiny, doesn't shed (laughs) and is adorable in photos. And it's going to be just like this lovely accessory in our life. (laughs) And it has to be so easy. And I got nothing I asked for. I have a giant shedding half Sharpay Kai can (gasps) in my room now snores. My husband doesn't snore, but my dog does. Like the whole thing has become a disaster. So I, 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 in terms of boundaries, like that was one boundary. And I'm the one who worries about the dog all the time. I feel Mm -hmm. like, so like, this is what I expected would happen. It's like, it would all, even though I've declared, I'm not taking care of the dog because I didn't want the dog. So I have been like very firm about that. So no one ever asks me to take care of the dog, but the time my husband would spend helping me with the kids is now with the dog. So it does impact me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Flexibility. Sharpay and what mix? I can. And keep in mind, I knew nothing about dogs before this, but I got a call on a Sunday from this woman who asked for Ruby, which is my 12 year old daughter. And I was like, um, Ruby, you know, she's who's calling. And she's like, hi, this is so-and-so from, and she's like, how old is Ruby? And I said, she's 12. And she goes, oh, I thought I was talking to an adult all weekend. Then Good Ruby work. walks in and Ruby's like, don't ruin this for me, mommy. She goes, I'm getting daddy. So she gets my husband on the phone. And the woman asks for two references for some dog that Ruby had found that I didn't even know she found in North Carolina. So I gave her a professional and personal reference. The next morning, like Monday morning at 7 a.m., I, I turn on my phone and it's ringing. And it's this North Carolina number. And I pick up and she's like, Okay, I talked to your references. The dog is yours. I'm like, oh my gosh, the dog is <laughs> This <ours."> is happening. <laughs> like, I had no idea. And then this is so crazy. But in the beginning of COVID, we ordered Instacart 
and befriended our Instacart guy. And he became our personal shopper during COVID. So now instead of going to Instacart, I text him our list and he shops for us. Okay. So smart. So that Monday morning, no joke, after I hear this dog is ours, I haven't even told anyone in the family yet. I'm still in shock. I text an order to the Instacart guy. I shouldn't say his name if Instacart gets mad at him, but okay. We can cut it. Writes back, I'm so sorry. I can't do your order today because I'm on the East Coast visiting my family. Now I was like, oh my gosh, he's on the East Coast visiting his family are you good with dogs? He said, yes. I'm like, how would you feel about making a detour to North Carolina to pick up our new puppy? He said, yes. And so he stayed in like a motel six that night near where the puppy is. He flew. Anyway, he brought us our dog that Wednesday. And wow. so that's how, how what a hero. <laughs> he is a, he is a is hero. A, what a he's story a though. I mean, again, you just saying that if you had not one ounce of bandwidth, <laughs> Left, <laughs> but just made it happen. And yeah. And now so, the st- yeah. what's the dog's name? I'm in the full plate club. Um, the dog's name is Dream. The kids named him Dream. Cute. Yeah. That's great. Wait, speaking of your children, you have two girls. I was gonna ask you what what is the biggest life lesson you try to instill in them currently at the ages that they are right now? You said 14 and 12. 12. 14, 12, yeah, and nine. So Ooh. Um, or my son's going to turn 10 next week. So oh. we're planning a big COVID celebration, which is challenging. Um, so there's a few sort of parenting philosophies. I'm very obsessed with parenting. So in terms of um, how to parent well, and I'm very opinionated about it. So I could talk about it forever, but I think it's really important to parent with intention and you can never possibly love a child too much. Like it's just bullshit when people are like, oh, don't spoil a child with love. You can't spoil a person with love. The most successful people are the ones that felt a lot of love as a kid. And that's really important. And so the number one thing, you know, I... I used to have this online talk show and I interviewed everyone from Al Roker to Bethany Frankel. And the one thing that 99% of my guests had in common was they grew up with a parent who believed in them and told them that they could be anything they worked hard to achieve. That's really important to know is that like you need to instill that in your child. So I do really try hard to instill that inner confidence in my kids. I also try to get them not to focus on things like looks or body or food or anything like that. That's really important to me. Um, And I've also raised them a little bit genderless in the sense of girls and boys can do all the same things. We expose our son just as much to art and gymnastics as we would our daughters to. Um, And we expose our daughters to every possible sport and, and don't focus at all on their looks. Now, of course, now I have two girls who really don't like to wear dresses and they, (laughs) and they just don't care at all. Like I remember my daughter once was on the way to school and she had like egg all over her face. I'm like, Ella, you have egg all over her face. She goes, you care about that mom. I don't. And I was like, (laughs) You're like, you, you know? just served me yeah. my own. <laughs> yes. 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 So I think being an individual is super important and we definitely encourage them to focus on that. My older daughter is a little bit like of an extreme version of this. So she's 14. She's a huge activist. Um, I just let her open up her Instagram account because she is constantly posting about racism, sexism, genderism, every ism there is. She is super passionate about, really passionate about Black Lives Matter. Like she just yesterday got very angry with me because she thinks I don't use my platform for good enough. And I was like, but my whole work is about financial independence for women. She's like, mom, you could be posting so much more about BLM. And she was like furious with me. So, I mean, she is like hardcore. Her favorite thing is to go to a march. She'd rather march than go to Disneyland any day. She is like- She's a dream. She's really- 
really, really active. Um, so I think, you know, I just try to get them to, to work hard and to think about other people and be empathetic to other people. And, you know, we talk a lot about what people are going through. I think my older daughter, I signed her up for this really cool program this summer that she wanted to do. I gave her a choice of a few things and she's doing this Zoom program where she talks to Syrian refugees. So every morning for three hours, there's 10 Americans and 10 Syrians and they're all teenagers. And she says like, they're all very similar, like the, you know, and she, and they talk about stereotypes and whatever, and it's a five week program. And she, you know, she doesn't love waking up at 7am every day because that's the time right. difference with Syria, but she loves it. And I think it's just finding opportunities that will broaden your kids' horizons. It's really yeah. impressive. So You've cool. created such, you know, you said that was your yeah. goal to create empathetic and caring children. And I, I think you, I think you've done that one. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> it's so amazing. That's, I, yeah, very, very similar to how I grew up as well. And like, just really, we have, my uncle is developmentally disabled. So my dad always, you know, grew up taking care of him. And yeah. we were just always in and around that community. My grandmother, when she was alive, she was the president of his group home, but it was always like caring for others and treating others the way that you want to be treated. And if anyone would ever use like the R word, you know, really like I got in a, a fight with a kid about it. <laughs> don't think my parents were happy about that, but they were very happy with the fact that I stood up for what I believed in and yeah. everything else and was teaching others in the whole school. Like no one would ever use that word, you know, ever around me. Yeah. So those similar values of really yeah. standing up for what you believe in, but also being empathetic to others. It's, I hope one day to, and still in, in my children one will. day, for yeah. sure. I'll see how much you care about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. Yeah. Samantha, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. I hope I get to come back one day. Yes. When this all ends, hopefully in person over a glass of wine. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to do a trip when we can travel again. We have been trying to get to LA and vice versa. When you're in New York, we would love to just go out and grab that beverage bookend with you. Because <laughs> you know, we're, we're really good at that. Yes. And then, yeah, I'm Perfect. sure we have so many more connections that we didn't get a chance to hit. But thank you Great. so much again for taking thank the time. Thank you so much for having me. Yep. Thank you. Thank you.